0: Are you ready for God's word? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, you know how inspiring that is? I, I listened to one of our messages. I listened to this past week's uh, Wednesday message, and just to hear the roar of the crowds when I ask, you know, are you ready for God's word? Everybody goes, ah. oh, wow. That is so uplifting. So I can imagine those that are listening for the very first time, how encouraging that must be for them to know that God's word is valued by our people uh, and by you. And uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to this Wednesday's message, please go uh, and listen. It's about Israel. It's about what's happening in the world today. And uh, it's been very well received and I'd love for you to listen. Uh, You can find it on our YouTube page. Uh, just, Just search MyFCM. And it'll come up, and then you can go to videos and and take a look at what we have to offer there. Uh, We've been in the middle of a message uh, entitled, The Blessed Life, or better yet, The Abundant Life, I should say. The Abundant Life. And uh, today we're going to talk about living abundantly. Amen? Living abundantly. And what does that mean? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might live it abundantly. You might live it in the fullest manner possible. And so we talked about being stewards last week and that we have been, re- we have been entrusted with something by Jesus Christ. We've been entrusted with life by our Creator. And so if, you have, if you've been entrusted with something, then you have a responsibility, right? That's what it means to be a steward, to have responsibility over it. And so today I want to talk to you about truth being a steward over truth. You might say to yourself, (coughs) am I really responsible for truth? Ask that question with me. Am I responsible for truth? Well, if you're responsible for it, it means you've been entrusted with it. And if you've been entrusted with it and you're responsible for it, then you are, in fact, a steward of it. You're a steward of it. You say, but... But what have I been entrusted with? What do you mean, truth? Well, in a minute, we're going to talk about the truth of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior is what we've been entrusted with. We've been entrusted with the gospel message, and you have a choice to either receive it or not. You know how many of us have ever read um, have ever read Pilgrim's Progress? I remember reading Pilgrim's Progress years ago when I was a young pastor, and uh, I, actually, I actually had read segments of it in, uh, in college, but I'd never read the whole thing, and so I, I, I purposed myself to read it. Do you realize that Pilgrim's Progress is the most, uh, the most popular book, the best-selling book, second only to the Bible? It's an incredible book about a young man named Christian's journey and the different individuals he meets along the way. And it's all about the Christian life. Uh, but on but one particular case, uh, the book or the novel talks about those that come in and join him on the path, but they didn't come through the narrow gate. See, the narrow gate is the truth of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and us putting our trust in him, repenting from our sins and living by faith in him. That's what it means to enter through the narrow gate. Now, some of us come, uh, have come, and, and I'm just going to be honest, I want you to search your heart really deep because you might say, Pastor, how could you be talking to us that way? Well, the way I see it is it's better to check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know? and who say, whoa, what? Is that biblical? Yes, the Bible says examine your faith to see if you're in the faith. Examine. To, and, and so I want to I use this illustration with you. Uh, this summer, I got, uh, my wife and I got to spend a, a couple of days in San Antonio. And uh, I love the river walk, so we try to stay on the river walk, and then we eat on the river walk and kind of just have a good time. And uh, one evening after supper, we're, we're walking on the river walk, and how many of you are, are sucker for lights and music? I know I am. And I just, I just love a party, you know? And so we saw some lights and music, and I go, ooh, let's go check it out, and see what's going on. And so we walked towards the convention center, and there's definitely something happening right there in that convention center part. So we just kept walking and following the crowd, and then a, a police officer says, if you're here for the party, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. I said, yeah, I'm here for the party. Actually, my wife said that and she looked at me and, and we just kept going. Lo and behold, uh, we found ourselves smack dab in the middle of it. <laughs> and they gave me a they gave me a scarf like a like a, a a handkerchief, a bandana. I put it on. And then they gave me a hat. I put it on. My wife put it on. We're sitting there dancing away. We're having a great old time, and they're offering hors d'oeuvres, and they're doing this and that, and had, I mean, we're just party crashers. <laughs> I just got to be honest, because at some point, the party finished, and they said, okay, everybody get to your rooms, because we start bright and early the next morning. I hope you had a great night tonight, and they were having some type of a convention. And you know, it reminded me that some folks hang out with Christians and they, they got the, the necklace and the cross, and they put the fish on the car, and and they may even put the Christian hat on, so to speak. But are they Christian inside? We weren't part of that company, we weren't part of that organization, we weren't part, we just got swept up into it. And you might be here today and you might have gotten swept up in this thing called church. But at the end of the day, do you have Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's brought the change inside? Inside. Because it's more than just a bandana. It's more than just a hat. It's, just, it's more than just dance moves or having a good time. It's life change. And this is what the Bible says when he says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the Life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's that narrow gate that Pilgrim's Progress talks about. Unless you enter in by faith in Jesus, many will say to him on that day. And listen to the words. He says, many will say to me on that day. John 7, 21 and, and down. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. But I will reply, I never knew you. Because we're going to talk about what it is to really know Jesus, is to have him inside by the power of of the Holy Spirit and for real life change to occur. This is the truth we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that truth has a name and his name is Jesus, see in the scriptures, truth is a very important concept because God is the God of all truth. All truth. Who speaks and judges truly. He is the real source and cause of the whole universe, and it represents his truth. I want you to think about what we've been talking about. We said that all things were created by him and for him. And if he is the creator of all, and he spoke and everything leapt into existence, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, it was fashioned, then it represents his truth, because he cannot lie. But I need you to understand something. The enemy wants desperately to keep you from truth. And so this is why even scientists get confused. I don't believe they do it necessarily uh, intentionally, To be used by the enemy. But science has even gotten confused through the ages. And said the Bible is wrong. There is no God. That cannot be. Can I tell you? If humans are saying that. The human is wrong. It just means that our theory. Think about what a theory is. A theory is is our best guess. That means our best guess isn't good enough. Because we still don't know how to reconcile all that we do know with God's truth. And God's truth is supreme. And the Bible is the source of that truth. I want you to think about, with, uh, think about this with me for a second. Words matter, don't they? How many of you have ever been asked to testify in court? I'm going to tell on myself, but I had to testify at my own trial. Yeah, I was a kid I was a freshman. My, my family's looking at me like, do not say crazy stories. Are you kidding me? Um, but I was a freshman at Baylor University, and my uh, cousin and some friends said, you know what would be a great idea? To go hunt at my uncle's ranch in Bandera, Texas. How many of you have ever been hunting? My first time was that day. My last time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, no, it wasn't my last, but I, I, I plan to go again, but I just haven't gotten there. <laughs> so this is what happens. Um, they come by and they pick me up, and we're in my, in my cousin's uh, uh, Camaro, and it's like an 80s model or something like that, and we're in the 90s, so it's not a brand new Camaro. And so we, we head up towards San Antonio, we stop at this little restaurant that we always used to eat at when we were kids, because our parents knew the owners, and so we drop in, and this this restaurant always has a line out the door. We walk in, there's no one. I'm like that's interesting, but wow, woohoo for us! We sit down, and then not only not even not even seconds later, we uh uh we have we have police officers burst in the door. Two of them go, "Let me see your hands." We're like, oh, uh, get them where I can see them. Get your hands up. Get your hands up. I put my hands up. I, I, I'm like, what is it? He says, get up against the wall, get up against the wall. He put handcuffs on those two, and they lead him out, and they said, don't you move. And I'm like, I'm not moving. And so lo and behold, they drag us out there. They get us, they, they, they start taking everything out of our vehicle. They said, where are you going? What are you up to? And uh, back then, I think I had a White Sox cap or something. He goes, what does that White Sox cap mean? I said, it means that uh, there's a, a team, I don't know if you've heard of it, in Chicago that plays baseball. They're not so good, but I think my, my, like I got the hat, I don't know where, I don't know. No, you're part of some gang, I'm really not. Check my student ID. It's called the Baylor Bears, we're not that threatening. <laughs> we're, we're just not. And he's stop being a little punk, you know, and he's, he's, he's really upset. Now it's, they have SWAT all over the, their, their stuff and they, they come from all directions. There's like 10 cop cars. Little did we know we were at the wrong place at the wrong time The owner's son, who we do not know, had committed a capital murder, was involved with some kind of big gang affiliation, there was threats both sides going back and forth, and here's some young guys show up, and my goofy cousin decided that he didn't want to get a parking ticket on campus, so he doctored up his license plate. And put a fake license plate with bobby pens that he got from his sister. <laughs> Where was I going with this? <laughs> what I was going to, this finally, we get to trial, and for some reason, they wanted to take it to trial, and I'll never forget. Um, they have me on the stand, and I say, I swear to tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And the prosecutor says, now, when you were driving back there, could you reach back where you had the firearms? We were going hunting, remember? And reach back and grab a beer from that Camaro? I said, no, sir. He says, you mean there was no over? That's not what you asked me. You said if I could grab a beer, I don't drink. I go to Baylor University. (laughs) We don't drink. (laughs) Dance or two or hang around the girls to do. We just don't. I would have gone to UT for that, sir. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh wow, I gotta stop trying to be funny and just preach so. Much. Okay, so so um so what ends up happening is um um he says, no, no, okay, well whatever. But why did you have the guns? I said, because we were going hunting, and then I'll never forget. The judge says, I've heard enough. He's telling the truth. You're wasting my time. Dismissed. And He says, you know, prosecutor, there is a a law on Texas books. You can travel across county line with a firearm. They have their their gear. They're going to see their uncle. Everything's been testified to. This young man is a good Baylor student. By the way, tell my my nephew who plays on the football team, hello for me, his uncle. (laughs) Roger says, hi, this and this and that. I got out of there, but I'll never forget. They, they, they had me tell the whole truth because your words mean something. You say, you went through that whole story. Well, once I said I had testified at my own trial, I had to say it. Had to tell you the whole story. I, I just kind of committed, right? But this is my point. My point is words mean something. And do you know God's word is the ultimate word? The ultimate word. Listen to me, the ultimate word. But how many of you know that it's not just about our words, it's also our... So God could have told us about salvation, but he knew actions mean something, so Jesus Christ came and showed us about salvation. And this is why the Bible says, In the beginning was the word... And the Word came forward in human flesh. You can read it with me there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so Jesus came as light to a dark world so that we might be free from darkness and live in light if only we receive his truth. And God's truth is this, that he loves you enough to send his son and not just talk about his love but show you his love in human form as his son hung on the cross for your sins for my sins, to change us forevermore. This is the testimony of our Lord. He gives testimony of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the testimony, just like I testified to what was really happening, that that Jesus Christ testifies and says, I am the way of salvation the truth and the life and you know who gives who gives a second testimony because all truth will be what will be established by two or three witnesses. Jesus Christ is a witness, God the Father is a witness, and God the Holy Spirit is a witness. This is why at his baptism, the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's saying, listen to him. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and confirms his witness. Not only that, but he goes a step further and John the Baptist confirms his witness earthly ministry, and in every way, shape, and form, he is confirmed, but the greatest thing is the way he lived his life, out front and personal, showing the love of God to us. This is why the Bible goes on to say, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God, to those who believe in his name. That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came into a dark, depraved, fallen world of which we were all a part of, and he gave us the right to become children of God by confessing faith in him. But think about this with me for a second. If we believe in Jesus, it should change everything about our life. If we believe in Jesus, it should change what? Everything about our life. Think about this with me for a second. If you believe the Son of God wrote you a love letter, truly believe the Son of God wrote you a love letter, you should devour that love letter. If you truly believe that love letter teaches you how to live, you should dedicate your life to if you truly believe the Son of God in that love letter promised that he would be back for you. Oh, you should live with this idea that at any moment my king, my bridegroom could split the sky wide open and come for me. No, that's the kind of belief that changes everything. That's the belief that God is talking about here. This word that became flesh This testimony of God's love became flesh, and we put our faith in him. And by that faith, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be different. See, the reason I did that little goofy illustration about the hat and the handkerchief and all, it's not about the outside. This is what he kept arguing with the religious leaders about. He said, you guys have made it about the outside appearance. Only God can change you in your heart and it happens by faith cuz you receive the power of the holy spirit by faith and there is another guy that wants to keep you there's another another entity that wants to keep you in darkness and this is the way he describes him he says he says to some you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks his native tongue or from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of lies or of it. Do you see what he came to set us free from? You say, but I was never of the... No, no. That's the default position. If you don't have faith in Christ and you haven't been made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in darkness and the enemy rules over you. That's why Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. There's one of two choices, either the devil or me. You're either going to be mine or you're already his. When he said... In John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what? Believes. The truth of the gospel message is to repent and believe. And this belief has you receive the power of the Holy Spirit and everything changes. You know what he says in addition to these verses? Those that have not believed or do not believe stand condemned already. Default position, you're in darkness, you're condemned you're not saved. So what must I do to be saved? Repent and? You say, Pastor, I feel like maybe you're talking to me. I have the hat, I have the scarf, I even got the boots. (laughs) But I don't know if if it's really changed in here. Then today can be the day of your salvation. The Bible says, give your life to Christ. Open up your heart, receive the Holy Spirit. If I were to give you a gift, how would you receive it, ma'am? If I give you some, I'm giving you this knife, how do you receive it? Notice what she did. She opens her hand. If I'm going to give you a spiritual gift, you don't have to open your hand. You have to open your heart. And so you receive the spirit of the living God by saving faith in Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says about this. It is the spirit who gives life. Read it. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak are what? Spirit, and they are life. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, when you put your faith in Jesus, He introduces Himself to you, and He fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will know truth that breaks every chain, that makes all things new, that sets you free. I know there's someone in this room saying, I want to be made new. Then step into faith in Jesus and be made new. Listen to what the Bible says. There is uh, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are what? Free indeed. See, I want you to know the truth. That's the first point. Not just know the truth, but understand the truth. Okay, pastor, what do you want me to understand? I want you to understand what Jesus said about this thing called truth and the kingdom. And, and and, And what I've chosen today, I could have chosen any number of passages in the New Testament, but I chose Luke 19. Luke 19, and there's a very special parable that we're going to go into, but Luke 19, Jesus is on his way to be crucified. That means... With flint-like resolve, he has turned his gaze towards Calvary and towards Jerusalem, and nothing will stop him. I want you to think about this. The reason you were put on the earth is now at hand, and you know you must give your life. Think about that as we tell this story. And he's traveling through Jericho. The Bible says this. He says, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named what? who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. In fact, he was very rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short. He ran ahead. He climbed up on a sycamore tree to see him. Come on, how many of you remember from Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a... And a wee little man was he. He climbed up on the sycamore tree, and when walking by, looked up in the tree, and he said, "You come down, for I'm going to your house to. For I'm going to your house to." You know, that little song is, com- is surprisingly accurate. It is. It's like right on point. This is exactly what happened. Now, I want you to think about this, of what I just said. Jesus, with flint-like resolve, has pointed his gaze towards Calvary, and he knows nothing, but nothing must distract him or keep him from fulfilling what he came to do, and that is to pay for you and my sins on the ca- cross of Calvary as the perfect sacrifice that would die for the sin of the world. But yet, he takes the time to look up in a, in a sycamore tree for a wee little man, a short little man who the whole town hates. I want you to think about this with me for a second. It tells everything that you need to know about the heart and the kingdom because the kingdom is about the king's heart. And so he looks up in the tree and this is what takes place. He says, come down for today, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today, I must stay at your house. I'm not just going to eat with you, I'm going to stay with you. Do you know this implies It implies I want to intimately connect with you. I want to establish friendship. Because in the Middle East, in the ancient times, when you went to someone's house to eat with them and to stay with them, you were saying, I want to be friends. I want to intimately connect with you. How do you think this went over on the crowd who knew him as a thief? Who knew him as a traitor to his To his people, the children of Abraham. Now watch what Jesus says. He says, make haste. So so verse 6, so he made haste. He came down. He received him with joy. How many of you know when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, joy is your gift? Joy. He starts to have joy. Some of us don't have joy. Make room for Jesus in your house. Do you realize that Jesus still stands today at the door and he knocks? According to Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hear my voice, open, and I will come in because I don't want you just to have a heavenly knowledge of me. I want you to have an intimate relationship with me. With me. This is what I want you to understand. That the gospel message is about knowing Christ in here. Having him have control over your intimate thoughts and your decisions and your circumstances and your situations, and everything changes. Watch what Zacchaeus does. But when he saw it, uh, wait, 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 wait. He received it with joy. But when they saw it, everybody else around, they complained, saying, he is going to be the guest of a sinner. That means the world won't understand, but watch what Zacchaeus does in verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of all my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it four times. What is he saying? He's saying, I've changed, and I'm not just talking about it, I'm doing something about it. Now what you care about, I care about. I no longer live for the world. I live for, I live for you. How many of us know when you come to saving grace, everything changes? And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Can you imagine the people there? What? He's a son of Abraham. He's a traitor to the sons of Abraham. No, everything changes when Jesus comes to your life. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that are lost. And then he launches into another parable. Now, as they heard these things, now I want you to remember the context. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He looks up in a tree and he calls forth salvation for this wee little man. Everything changes in this man's life. Everybody's wondering, what is this? Why are they wondering this? Because Jesus is reached the pinnacle of his his earthly ministry, and people are thinking, it's now or never. He's going to Jerusalem to become the Messiah, the king we always thought we would have. The one that would restore the kingdom and the glory of David's kingdom back to Israel. And so they're thinking physically, militarily. They're thinking in all of these ways, and Jesus is showing them what the kingdom is all about. What does a wee little man have to do with the kingdom? They don't understand, so he tells them this parable. Are you rest with me? This story reflects what the kingdom is all about. Watch what he says. He told them another parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately, that, that it was now. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Wow. Who's the nobleman? He is. He is. He's going to a far country. What's the far country? Heaven. Who's he going to receive the kingdom from? The Father. The Father. Now watch. But his citizens... Uh, where, where am I at? A certain noble man. Okay, verse 13. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. So let's explain some of it. We already know he's the nobleman. He's gone off to a far off land. That's heaven. He's going to receive a kingdom, right? He's going to be established as king, but it's going to be a little while. In the meanwhile, he calls his servants. Who are his servants? That's those that believe in him that serve him. Isn't that what we're called to do? And he gives them minas. Now, listen, this is not the same as the parable of the talents. This is, this is different. But isn't it interesting how Jesus keeps using money and the monetary system to indicate what? Last week, we covered the parable of the talents, right? A talent was a certain amount of what? Resources financial resources. Mina's is a certain amount of financial resources. Why is Jesus speaking in terms of finances? Because we all understand finances are the way that you convey stewardship. It's not yours, but if it's put in your trust, then you are a... So what is the main message that Jesus is trying to convey? He's trying to convey the stewardship of a kingdom servant. And if you... Are a servant of the king, then you are a steward for him. Now watch what he does. He says, I've given them all. Then he goes, go go to the next page. And when he returned, he spoke. When let's let's go here. When he returned, having received the kingdom, so now he is made king, he is over everything. He then commanded his servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. Then the first one came, said, Master, your mina has earned how many? Ten. So he gave him a certain amount, and this one came and returned ten more. What does he say to him? Well done, good servant. Remember I told you there was one other place where he said, well done, good servant, but not good and faithful servant? It's the same thing, but, but this is very unique. Jesus is highlighting something he wants us to understand about the kingdom. Are you with me? What is he trying to get us to understand? Well, it's right there. Watch. Because you were faithful in very little, uh, excuse me, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. What does that mean? Anyone excited here about this? What he's saying is this. You don't have to be, you don't have to go out and, and like be Billy Graham. But you've got to take the amount of truth that you've been entrusted with. Now watch, everybody gets the same amount. Everybody's gotten the same amount of truth. Everyone has the gospel message. If you are a servant, you know that it's about what? Repentance and belief and the power of the Holy Spirit to change your life. That's how simple the witness needs to be. And now, what are you going to do with your witness? You say, but how do I know that's, what's faith- that's what faithfulness is about? Because when the king come ba- comes back, he wants to know, were you faithful with the heart of m- of me, the king, to expand my kingdom. Does God care about money? Yes, he cares about money in some sense, but not the way he cares about souls. He cares about souls. He cares about us expanding the kingdom. Remember, he said what the kingdom was about when he first started his ministry. What did he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who give it all for the what? The kingdom of God. Who cash it all in. Who go full board. Now, Now watch. The other gets five minas more. He says, good job. I'll bet you over how many cities. What is this idea of cities This is how we know it's about so much more than money. Because it's not about how good a businessman you are, it's about how good you were to to guard the king's heart, to expand what he really cares about. What does he really care about? He cares about souls. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. Isn't that what he said at the end of the Zacchaeus story? He says, yes, I'm going to save the whole world but I'm not going to get so caught up in the big picture that I miss the little guy right in front Isn't that true? I can't get so caught up in the big picture that I miss the little guy right in front of me. And he says, he says, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. Now let me tell you a parable about what's on my heart. And then there's one who says, he uncovers what he was given because he wrapped it up in a handkerchief and he said, here's what you have. I knew you were a hard king. If you knew I was a hard king, notice what he says. He says, you know something about me. What do we know about Jesus? What does he care about? It's not about money. What does he care about? Souls. And you're, you, it's not going to fly to say, I know you cared about souls, but I just kept it right here in my heart. Safe and sound. And I didn't share it with no one. What do you think he'll say? What does he say to him? Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with what? If you're too chicken to go out there and risk, oh, come on, Come on, I'm talking to somebody here. Well, pastor, I don't know enough. Well, pastor, I just this. But pastor, I'm so afraid of this. But pastor, I'm so, okay, if you're too chicken. Some of us are like, man, I didn't know. I I came here because I heard that, you know, he preached the word, but I didn't think he preached it like that. (laughs) No, let's just be honest. Come on, look, something my mama taught me early on. Moved to an all-Hispanic neighborhood. I was wearing this crucifix. I mean, this, this cross. Everyone else wore a crucifix. They started arguing to me about the, the, the cross versus the crucifix. This and this and that. I got in a big fist fight. Got in trouble with Mama. Mama comes to bail me out, so to speak, from the principal's office. And says, what are you doing? I said, well, I was defending the faith. I was fighting the crusade, so to speak. You know, I was going for it, man. And my mom said, you don't have to fight for the gospel. All you have to do is be a witness. That means share what Christ has done in your heart. And she taught me something that day that that being a witness means This is what God has done. When I repented of my sins, I put my trust in him. The Holy Spirit filled my life, and I've never been the same. Can I share with you? He'll make the difference in your life. He'll make the difference in your marriage. He'll make the difference in your job. He'll make the difference in any aspect of your life because he's done it for me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. That's what we're called to do. But if you're not able to do that, watch what he says. At least invest, no, go back, at least invest in a ministry who will. How do we invest in a ministry who will? You can get involved teaching children, caring for children. You can get involved being an usher. You can get involved in so many different ways because what we're doing is trying to share the gospel. What we're doing is trying to share the gospel. I'm almost done, are you with me? Are you with me? And sometimes it's hard to share the gospel. Sometimes it's super, super amazing. You know, sometimes I'll preach a funeral, and I always share the gospel at funerals. And people ask me to do funerals, and I'll say, I'm going to preach the gospel. Well, sir, we want you to do this. Then don't ask me. Because it's really not about the person who just passed. Yes, we'll say some nice things, but it's about the people who are still here. Still here. They need to hear the gospel. And so this is, we share the gospel. And sometimes people raise their hands, and sometimes they look at me like this how dare you use my so-and-so's funeral to preach this. And it's hard, and it takes courage, but you do it anyway. Or I go out there on the basketball court, and I'm not saying this to impress you, but to impress upon you. I'm the same way as you. I'm a human, I don't like being rejected. I get tongue-tied. You know, sometimes they, it, it, it feels lousy. But I know that my king is coming back and this is what he values and if he values it and he saved my soul because I was that wee little man up in the tree desperately searching for something and he took the time to save me, he wants me to help somebody else. He wants me to help somebody else. And so we're out there and we're sharing the gospel and a young man, uh, first of all, I bring them all together and it's like stone quiet with them. And I say, hey, I felt like the Lord called me to, to pray over you guys. Can I pray over your future? And they're like, nope. Okay, I'm sinking bad, like mayday, mayday, mayday. And I said, okay, I feel like your parents, like maybe over your, your family situation and your future. And one young man, I don't know if Stephen, are you here today? I remember uh, he might be in third service. He, he raised his hand. He said, I just lost my parents and I just graduated. Like, This month, I graduated. I lost my parents. I don't know what my future is going to look like. I don't have a family. And I remember looking at him and saying, we're your family. Let me share with you how to be part of the family of God. And I shared the gospel with him. And then everyone in that circle changed like that and said, we're your family too, Steve you got family, not only here at this church, but with us. And then so I thought, man, sharing the gospel is amazing. I go back out there, call all the guys the next time I'm out there, and uh, and nobody wants to hear anything. Nobody wants prayer. And then I get a heckler. One little guy goes, that's not why we came out here. We don't want to hear that nonsense. You're not right anyway. The Bible's been made up in this and that. And just, you know what? The old me wanted to come out felt like grabbing him by his neck and said, you be quiet, you little punk. (laughs) But I restrained myself. I said, Holy Spirit. And I shared the gospel anyway, maybe one or two received. And then two weeks later, we're out there and he comes up to me. He goes, man, I was the kid that was, I was the guy that was kind of giving you a hard time. I really respect what you do. And what am I telling you? I'm telling you it's not easy. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's really, but you do it anyway. Amen. Amen. You do it anyway so that you can hear, well done. Well done. Well done. I'm going to put you over cities. You say, pastor, are you sure? No, it's about risking. It's about investing truth because you are a steward of that truth. It's about increasing the kingdom, not playing it safe. After all, the Bible says, if we endure, 2 Timothy, we shall also reign with him. The Bible says in Revelation 20 that John saw thrones. And that those that die for him, it might even cost some of us our lives, will reign with Christ for a thousand years. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, and 3 that we will judge angels. Read it right there. It says it. It says, don't you know that we will judge? And that we will judge angels. The Bible says in Psalms 8, that he will give us, and he is reestablishing the dominion that we were meant to have from day one. It's not, it's not done yet, but when he returns, he's going to reward us based on our faithfulness. And everything will be under our feet, including the angels, because we're going to judge the fallen angels. Go on and read it in Hebrews chapter 2. It's right there at the beginning of the chapter. Go on and read the entire book of Hebrews. It's all over. God keeps saying this over and over and over. You say, so now you know what the, what the truth is all about, expanding the kingdom. But you also have to tell it. Pastor, how am I going to tell it? Real quickly, you know how you tell it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. Watch what the Bible says. Then when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of? He's going to send him to you. He comes from the Father. He's going to testify of Christ's goodness. You want to know more of Christ's truth? Then let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to testify as you share what God has done in your life. As you share what God has done in your life, Keep keep going with me. But when they arrest you, that means when you have hard times and you're in a sticky situation, do not worry beforehand. You don't even have to premeditate what you want to say. But instead, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, it's right there, will give you what to say in the very moment. John 16, 13 says this, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all. He'll guide you in this. He'll guide you in what to say. He'll give you courage in what to, watch. It says in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my, you'll be my witnesses. Not just with a silly hat and a bandana and some boots, but you're going to be witnesses from the power of the Holy Spirit that resides inside of you and has changed your life and will give you courage to go forth and to make a difference. So, know the truth. Understand the truth. Understand that the gospel is is what the kingdom is all about. That God will judge you based on what you did with that truth. Those are not my words. Those are his words. That he says openly, the kingdom of God is about seeking and saving those that are lost. Those that are up in the tree looking, 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 looking. And you walk right by them. Call them down from that tree. Go sup with them. Share with them the gospel. But this is where we finish. Don't just tell the truth. Tell of the truth. Tell of Jesus and the wonder he's made. So those of you who know me know that I love vacations because it gives me a chance to connect with the Lord and to kind of get away from the church business and to really connect with my family. And I, I just cherish my vacation time. And I cherish my beach time if I happen to be at the beach. And there's this one particular time of the day that I really love, and that's the evening when the sun is going down. It just How many of you know what I'm talking about? The beach in the evening is just superb. And I get, to ch- I get a chance to talk to the Lord. And I just sit out there and, man, Lord, you are so good. You are so kind and wonderful. I just love you. And you get intimate with God because, after all, God wants to come in and sup with you and be intimate with you. He does. And so on this one particular occasion, this little guy, he's about 14, just kept coming around. Hey, mister, what's your name? Chris. Oh, my name is so and so. And then he's like, Can I borrow your skimboard? board? I have these skimboards, boards, and me and my family, especially me and my son, we do these little tricks on them, and, and we love it. He goes, Yeah, I go, Yeah, go ahead, knock yourself out. But, but come teach me how to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. Man, this is starting to become work, right? And then now I'm teaching him, and then he's like, And, and show me this, and show me that. And, and we play with these different little games, and then now he's wanting to play with us. And then I've been putting up with him the whole week. This is the last day, and the sun's going down. I'm having this conversation with the Lord, and he comes, Hey, Chris, man, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. I said, Yeah, that's tough. (laughs) And uh, he says, What are you doing? I said, Man, I'm just spending some time alone in quiet conversation with God. Alone. And he says, That's cool. And he takes out his chair and he sits down right by me. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then he looks over and he says, Chris, I've been meaning to ask you, how do I get what you have? I said, son, I, I don't understand your question. He goes, I've been watching you. He goes, I want a wife like you have. I want children like you have. I want a family like you have. (laughs) I was almost crying. I'm like, this is why, Lord. I mean, come on, God. It's supposed to be me and you. Now you got me with. This sounds like ministry, Lord. (laughs) And then he says, oh, you just have something special. Y'all all do. I want that. See, this is not my family. That's my uncle. And he brought me here because my parents have made bad decisions and, and they're gone. I really don't have a family, but I want to grow up and have what you have. You know what that tells me? God was saying, you're looking up and you want this amazing intimacy with me. But if you really want my heart, then look up in the tree Because this little guy's in the tree and he's looking hard for me and I've sent you to be a witness for me. I've sent you to be a witness. And yes, you want to relax and yes, you want to be about you and yes, you want it to be about me and you. But if you want it to really be about me and you, then do what I love and I love people. So love people too. And I'll never forget, I started sharing the gospel message. I said, son, oh, no, he, he really, hit, he really broke, broke it wide open when he said, you see, I grew up in Houston. I'm like, oh, no, I'm from Houston. <laughs> and then he said, I'm from Third Ward, and I'm from Second. <laughs> and he says, uh, and it's rough there, and I don't know if I can make it. And I said, yes, you can. I did. You can make it. And the difference is Jesus Christ. You have to repent. Put your full trust in him. That means believe him, believe him, believe him. And I start testifying of God's goodness. And when you believe that, I'm going to pray that you receive the Holy Spirit right now as you confess your faith in Jesus. And it looked kind of funny because the sun's going down, people walking up and down the beach, and this this older guy with this younger guy, He's Hispanic, he's black, and they're both with their hands raised, and one has the hand on his heart praying that they receive the power of the Holy Spirit and that life would be changed forever. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Come on. Come on. As you walk throughout the day, as you walk throughout your week, look up in the trees. There's people searching for Jesus, and you have the answer. You have the answer. You have the answer. And someday God will say, well done. Good servant. Come rule over these cities. You know, but pastor, I don't know anything about ruling. No, you got the king's heart. The kingdom's going to be different from the world. It's about the king's heart. So as you As you take your communion cup, would you say, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me today? Holy Spirit, would you give me eyes to see up in the tree? Would you give me eyes to see the wee little people that are looking for you? And give me the witness. Give me the strength, the words the testimony. Give me a witness to share with them the good news that I may be found faithful in here very soon. Well done. Because I know that I know that I know you return soon. You return soon. In Jesus' name. We thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.